You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. And perhaps it's the combination of sounding outrageous along with the threat of, of consequences that, that, that maybe that's why so few of us actually practice speaking truth to power when we have the opportunity. So maybe we can start with something a little bit smaller. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 379. Our title this week is Speaking Truth to those in power, and our reading is from the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark 16, 14 through 29. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and this is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead, for Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had bound him and put him in prison. He did this because of Herodias, the brother, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled. He liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guest. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because Because of his oaths and his dinner guest, he did not want to refuse her, so he immediately sent an execution or an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went and beheaded John in the prison and brought back his head on a platter. He represent her he presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciple came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. What a gruesome story. Um and and what a way to what a story that that lets kind of Herod kind of off the hook. I mean, Herod historically executed John, and yet this story seems to place the the burden of that uh, uh, on on others besides Herod, as if Herod was kind of forced against his will to do it. But the parts of this story, uh, corroborated by extra biblical sources, are that John the Baptist was arrested and ultimately executed by Herod the Tetrarch. 
Ashtark, the son of Herod the Great. And, and one reason could very well have been John's outspoken criticism of Herod's second marriage to Herodias. Herod was first married to a, a Nabataean princess, and Herod threw that marriage away to marry, marry uh, uh, Herodias. She was the wife of another Herod. We, we now know from historical records that the Gospel of Mark records this detail about Herodias' first husband. Uh, it, it was incorrect. It wasn't, uh, 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 what, is, what does it say there? It wasn't um, uh, his brother Philip's wife, but the wife of another, another Herod. But regardless, John may have been criticizing the way in which Herod took Herodias as his second wife. And in Jewish antiquities, Josephus doesn't even mention Herod's marriage as the reason for John's death. Josephus focuses instead on on John's popularity with the crowd and and thus his his power over the masses. This is from Jewish antiquities. I'll put a reference to it uh, in this week's e-site. But now many people came in crowds to him, for they were greatly moved by his words. Herod, who feared that the great influence John had over the masses, might put them into his power and enable him to raise a rebellion, for they seemed ready to do anything he should advise, thought it best to put him to death. In this way, he might prevent any mischief John might cause and not bring himself into difficulties by sparing a man who might make him repent of it when it would be too late. Accordingly, John was sent as a prisoner out of Herod's suspicious temper to Macarus, uh, the castle I already mentioned, and was put to death. So, so there are conflicting versions of this story for sure, but this story is an example in all the versions of a familiar theme in the Hebrew prophets, and that is the call to speak. Speak truth to unjust powers. And the phrase, speak, speak truth to power, um, that was originally an American Friends Service Committee phrase from 1955. You can see there, their, uh, I'll put a link to a PDF of it, uh, speak truth to power, a Quaker search for an alternative to violence. Yet, the idea is ancient. It goes back even way beyond um, the Quakers or the uh, uh, the Friends community. But it, it, it's, it's, you can find examples of it even in the Hebrew prophets of speaking truth to power. I'll give you just a few examples of these in the Hebrew scriptures. The first one's Exodus 5.1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go. Uh, in 2 Samuel 12.7-10, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be be your own. That text has all kinds of problems in it uh, that 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 need addressed. But 
what we can at least see is that Nathan was speaking truth to to David uh, in relation to uh, his actions towards Uriah. Uh, we find another example in 1 Kings 18, 17 through 18. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. And Isaiah 1, 1 through 17, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Isaiah and Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. In Jeremiah 22, 1 through 3, this is what the Lord says. Go down to the place Sorry, go down to the palace of the king of Judah and proclaim this message there. Hear the word of the Lord to you, king of Judah, you who sit on David's throne, you, your officials, and your people who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. That's Jeremiah 22. Two, one through three. In Jonah 3 through 6, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. In Zechariah 7, 8 through 10, the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. Micah 3, 1, then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice? And lastly, Amos 5, 10 through 12, there are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great are your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in your courts. So again, these are all examples of the prophetic tradition within the Hebrew scriptures of speaking truth to power. But what about us? What does it mean for us today to speak truth to power? And what are some ways in which we, even if our, our sphere of influence is, is limited, how can we speak truth to, to those in power? Well, remember, uh, just like in our story, this week, there are consequences to speaking truth to those in power. Those in power rarely respond well to having truth spoken to them. John the Baptist's story, I think, illustrates those consequences. In the end, he was executed. And as the late Reverend Dr. James H. Cohn used to say, the truth about injustice always sounds outrageous. And perhaps it's the combination of sounding outrageous along with the threat of, of consequences that, 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 that maybe that's why so few of us actually practice speaking truth to power when we have the opportunity. So maybe we can start with something a little bit smaller, start smaller than speaking truth to someone like, like Herod. Maybe we can begin with just a commitment 
to tell the truth, period. And then, if and when the opportunity arises to speak to power, then we'll already be in the habit of speaking the truth. And so, in this spirit, I have always cherished this statement by Leo Tolstoy. It's at the end of his book, uh, The Kingdom of God is Within You. And and I, I just love this paragraph. This is page 433. I do not say that if you are a landowner, you are bound to give up your lands immediately to the poor. If a capitalist or manufacturer, your money to your work people, or if you are a czar, a minister, an official, a judge, or general, you are bound to renounce immediately the advantages of your position, or if a soldier on whom all the system of violence is based, to refuse immediately to obey in spite of all the dangers of insubordination. If you do so, you will be doing the best thing possible, but it may happen, and it is most likely that you will not have the strength to do so. You have relations, a family, subordinates, superiors. You're under an influence so powerful that you cannot shake it off, but you can always recognize the truth and refuse to tell a lie about it. You need not declare that you are remaining a landowner, manufacturer, merchant, artist, or writer because it is useful to mankind, that you're a governor, prosecutor, or czar, not because it is agreeable to you, but because you're used to it, uh, but for the public good that you continue to be a soldier, not from fear of punishment, but because you consider the army necessary to society. You can always avoid lying in this way to yourself and to others, and you ought to do so because the one aim of your life ought to be to purify yourself from falsehood and to confess the truth. And you need only do that, and your situation will change directly of itself. There is one thing and only one thing in which it is granted to you to be free in life. All else beyond your power, that is to recognize and profess the truth. What he's saying is there is that you may not have the power in yourself to change even your own situation. Uh, You may not have the courage to do that, but you can at least start telling the truth about it. And sooner or later, telling the truth itself will create the, the, the consequence of you being removed from those oppressive systems. Truth telling always carries consequences. Some beneficial, others are difficult to bear. Uh, We may not always, again, have the courage or the power to change unjust conditions ourselves, but maybe we can do the bare minimum of speaking at least the truth about them. May we at least have the courage to speak truth, because that truth will enable and empower us to choose to change things in the end, after all. That's where we begin, is learning to least tell the truth. Heart Group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what does the phrase speaking truth to power mean to you in your sphere of influence? And share that with your group. I think of the debate right now uh, about critical race theory and how people are simply trying to tell the truth about our past and how people are being threatened by that. Um, and that's one example of what it means to me. So share what speaking truth to power means to you in your sphere of influence. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. Day, right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly.
I'll see you next week. Thank you.